Teaching Ministry of Pastor Taiwo Udukoya, the Senior Pastor of the Founding of Life Church. It is our prayer that the message you're about to hear will no doubt shapen your destiny in Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Now let us pray. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, we worship you, we adore you, we thank you because you are ever faithful. Indeed, your word is life. Your word sanctifies. Father, today sanctify us indeed by your truth. Your word is truth. Bless all our hearers today and anoint your word in my mouth. Let it be delivered from Mount Zion. Let bodies be healed. And please take all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Today I want to take a scriptural reading from the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 6. I'll read from verse 10 through 18. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wise of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with fruit, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet short with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fairy debts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints praise the lord simply put you will discover that this passage we have been told that we should be strong it requires strength to excel and to put on the whole armor which armor the armor god has provided hallelujah then in verse 12, he now brought out the real reason why he will say all this. And my emphasis will be on verse 12. He says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, hallelujah, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Simply put, life as we know it on earth is a struggle. Apostle Paul tell that struggle, wrestling. I would know that it's not wrestling in the physical form. This is a metaphorical term to describe what we go through in life. Hallelujah. In the Amplified Bible, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In bracket, we're not contending with physical opponents. So we're not just contending with physical opponents. In other words, there are brains behind what we go through. Glory be to God in the highest. But against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Can you see the way life is described? No wonder the opening statement in verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that may be able to stand that may be able to stand for wrestle not against glory be to God in the highest 
You see, you'll agree with me that every human problem on earth has its root in the spirit. If you don't even want to agree, the Bible is saying it clearly. Every human problem, whether past or present, and every future problem of man will take its root from the spirit. And what again this scripture is saying is this. There is only one solution to these problems. There is only one way we can face, contend, and win and progress in life against this array of forces and powers is prayers. That's why in the Gospel of St. Luke, in chapter 18, the Bible says, Then Jesus spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. In the Amplified Version, it reads, Also Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray. That's right, to pray. They always ought to pray and not to turn coward. It's pretty easy to become cowardly. Why you know you are facing spiritual despotism? Spiritual wickedness in high places. Why you know that there are spirits at work? Not to turn coward. He said, pray. Hallelujah. Please get it right. The only thing I'm sharing this this morning is letting you know that you have one weapon against the devil. And it is very effective. Jesus says, men always ought to pray. Now look at it. Amplified continues. says, men ought always to pray and not turn coward. In bracket, and not faint, and not lose heart, and not give up. It's pretty easy to give up when you see or when you think that the opposition is too powerful for you. But the solution that Jesus established is this pray. You know, I tell myself all the time, I say, hey man, don't you ever get to a place in your life when you think there's nothing you can do, there's nothing else you can do. As a matter of fact, if there's nothing else left to do, there's still one thing you can do. You can pray. Jesus says, it is as you pray that you will not lose heart. It is as you pray that you will not turn cowardly in the face of the battle. Life is a battle. You don't need to want to fight. You are called to fight. Life is a battle. If you don't want to lose heart, you don't want to give up, then pray. Hallelujah. You see, now I realize that while Jesus was here, in dealing with human issues, he was always addressing spirits. But you see, there are many things we call prayer that are not prayers. Because from this expression and from what Jesus is saying here, the prayer of the righteous, indeed, as recorded in the book of James, one man, one righteous, is effective. Prayer, in the sense that Jesus is speaking of it, cannot but be effective. It will guarantee your winning. It will guarantee your overcoming. It will mess up your opponents. It will mess up the spirits that are against your well-being in life. The one weapon that Jesus is giving us here is prayer. And if Jesus says it, you had better take it. He himself prayed all through his personal sojourn here on earth. It is a tool for him to dwell us on that to use to overcome. The Bible said before he would choose his disciples, he prayed all night. But come on, he is God. He has foreknowledge. He's omniscient. He knows all things. But demonstrating how man can excel on earth, he went to pray. You see, a prayerless Christian really is a defeated Christian. I'm saying to someone right now that to turn around begins today.
in the name of Jesus, men always ought to pray and not be cowardly. Remember at the tomb of Lazarus, lift up his face and say, Father, I thank you for hearing me. Say, I am doing this so that they may know that you have sent me. Then he commanded the dead to come out. He came out. He prayed. In the field of the world, 5,000, the Bible said that he collected the food and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he gave thanks to the Father. And he gave the food of a little boy to his 12 disciples to share. And they were never exhausted. Now, he didn't have to pray. He was God. And he yet fully man. But he came to demonstrate that man can live on earth and live with victory and live excelling. You can live confronted by all these powers and overcome. He could have come to demonstrate on how God could live on earth to be a winner. But God is a winner. No, he came to demonstrate how man can be a winner. And so he's saying, men, not gods, men, not angels, ought always to pray. Hallelujah. And not faint. Are you fainting? Or are you beginning to despair over any issue? Again, let me remind you, men always ought to pray and not faint. You will not faint in Jesus' name. Remember, there's always one more thing you can do. You can pray. You can pray. If no man believes in your future anymore, if there's nothing you see in the physical that can turn the tide for you, you can still pray. Jesus prayed. He prayed and prayed and prayed. A lot of times the Bible said he would leave them and depart to the mountains to pray alone. It's often said that you are strong as your prayers. I feel the fire now. And let me remind you, I've quoted this several times before. I wonder who was there to help Jonah in the belly of the fish, at the bottom of the sea, the end of the earth. The Bible said he cried out. There was absolutely nothing physical that he could do again. But he prayed. But even there, God heard. Jonah still won. You will win in the name of Jesus. And again, the interesting about our passage is this. It's not just calling us to pray. It's telling us particularly what constitutes the effective prayer. He said, what do you mean? Oh my goodness. Look at that scripture again. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Generally, I've heard this over and over. I've said it over and over. We are in evil days. Some strange things are happening. But God has a solution. And it is rooted, honest, in your prayers. Now, it says, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girded with truth. Hey, the truth, the Bible says your word is truth. It says sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. John chapter 17 from the lips of Jesus. It says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. The Bible says our righteous works are sweetly rags. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, him who knew no sin became sin for us, that you and I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then look at it again. Verse 15 says, And your feet showed with the preparation of the gospel <laughs> of peace. Clearly, you know what the gospel is. We have the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and we have the book of John. Hallelujah. They said, Above all, take on the shield of faith. Come on. 
or through the peace we say without faith you can't please God hallelujah or through the peace it says that the just shall live by faith in fact even in the Old Testament Hebrews 11 say without faith it is impossible to please God hallelujah and then it says uh, taking the shield of faith with which we shall be able to quench all the fairy deaths of the wicked in our 17 and take the helmet of salvation glory be to God you don't talk salvation except with the death and resurrection of Jesus his suffering his shame his death his resurrection Hallelujah. And all for humanity. Glory be to God in the highest. And then, of course, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, you can begin to see that it's not just talking prayers for talking's sake. Effectively, as we comprise most of these elements, for prayers to be effective, you must understand that, hey, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and you must come with that understanding. So you have a right and access. You don't come fearing and being afraid of being judged. If you're coming for help, then you had better be sure enough that you'll find favor with him and that he will answer you. He said, no, what Jesus has done for us has given us boldness with confidence and access. We have access. Hebrews says we should come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. It has some kind of boldness that is required. So you must understand that you are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. And of course you must have read in the word, this same word, that all these are yours. So what I'm saying in effect is that for you to be able to pray effectively, you must have the knowledge and know that you know that you know, hallelujah, who Christ has made you. You must know what Christ has given you. You must know the heart of God towards you. You won't need anybody to confuse you about who your Father in heaven is. And all these are contained here. It is with these, the Bible now says, verse 18, praying always with our prayers. So you can see that from 10 to 18, he was telling you all that you have and what qualifies you. And I haven't told you all that. Now you pray. And how do you pray? Always. Again, remember Luke 18 says men always ought to pray. Now, look at the message version of this same scripture. Ephesians chapter 6, and this is what it says. It says, and that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you. Did you get that? Everything. Well-made weapons of the best materials. And put them to use so you'll be able to stand up to everything the devil throws on your way. I like this version. He says, this is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. I like the way he's put it. What I'm saying in effect is that these are all weapons made ready for use in prayers. Another thing is making clear is that this is not a one-time fight. You're going to fight this the rest of your life. No wonder Jesus taught that men always ought to pray. And here we're told that we should pray always with all prayers. And now we just saw all that Jesus did, the weapons, bit of best materials that he has made available. Jesus made them available how? Through his death and resurrection First, his torture, his beating, his false accusation, he did all these, giving us the best of tools, made of best materials, to confront the devil. So we are not ignorant of the tricks and the wise of the devil. And he made them available to us so that we can constantly pray with them. They become effective against the devil. 
Now, how do we get to use this? That's where I'm coming from. And how does it ever really get to us? How do we fight this battle? Listen carefully. You see, your body is physical, and that's your contact with the physical world. Your spirit being is invisible, and that's your contact with the invisible realm. But you see, the Bible makes it clear that the God of this world is Satan. In fact, he is referred to as the prince of the power of the air. So you talk about environmental control. And so environmental influence, spiritually that is, you can only feel it through your physical flesh. When you talk about the spiritual control of life, you can only get that through the spirit. As a matter of fact, here Paul, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, For the flesh, that is our body, lost against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. It says, and these are contrary to one another. That's the same you, contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So you want to really please God. You want to do things well. But the demands of the flesh are contrary. They must please the things of the world, as it were. But you see, you are in the world. So you have a flesh. And so your flesh is making contact with the world. And that's all it knows. And it tries to take control of the entire being. But because you have the Spirit of God in you, if you're born again, that is, if you have repented, if you have come to terms with the fact that God is the creator and that through his son Jesus Christ he has brought salvation, then there's something alive in you that is sensitive to God. So when that aspect of life wants to overtake you, there's a resistance from within. That's why we say that your conscience is alive. And how do you resist? By the things of the spirit. By the very tools that you have just seen. And that's why when we talk about the problems of man, you hear of the spirit of lust, yes, sickness, spirit of infirmity. We talk of the spirit of fear, book of Second Timothy. Talk of the spirit of prostitution and harlotry, spirit of failure, spirit of death. Every human problem stems from the flesh and from the spirit realm. How be it? The spirit that controls the atmosphere, the environment of this realm, the God of this world. How did he become the God of this world? You may want to wonder. Didn't God create the world? Some even quoted me, the earth is the lost and the fullness thereof. The world and all that do us with it. You're right. God didn't create it for the devil. He created it and gave man dominion over it. Man, take control, take charge. But in the Garden of Eden, man subjugated himself to the devil when he obeyed the devil in eating the fruit that God says don't eat. And here the devil tempting Jesus in the garden. He said, look, see the glories of this world. He said, they are mine for they've been given unto me. And Jesus did not argue with them. Man gave them. But how did Jesus overcome him? He said, it is written. Now you'll agree with me that part of the best of truths have been given is the sword of the spirit, the word of God. And Jesus wielded the sword. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. So really, how can you pray effectively 
you pray through the word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, said the word I speak, their spirit and they are alive. And remember, the God you are appealing to, I mean the creator God, the father God. The Bible says in John chapter 4, it says he is a spirit. He is spirit. He is the father of spirits. And if I'm going to worship him, if I'm going to cry out to him, if I'm going to solicit his attention, it's only in the spirit. So when I begin to pray the word, I'm praying through the spirit. Now, that's different from praying in the spirit, speaking in tongues. I'll come to that. So everything about prayer, anyway, look at it. It is spiritual. There are no simple prayers. There are no ordinary prayers. So I want to, from today, become conscious of the fact that, shall we pray? No, you are talking to your heavenly father. No, you are stepping right into the realm of the spirit. No, you are about to cause something to happen in the spirit. Going by the best of tools, quoting from the message version that we just read, they include the total work of the cross. All that Christ has done for you. Becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Knowing now that your status is a son, not a slave. Knowing that you have access. Knowing that you are loved, everlasting love. Knowing that the ears of God are inclined to you. Hallelujah, I feel the fire. Men always ought to pray and not faint. Now, hear the same passage in the message, Galatians 5, 17. It reads, actually 16 and 17 are met together in the message. It says, my counsel is this, live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsion of selfishness. For there's a root of sinful self-interest in us. Did you hear that? A root of sinful self-interest in us. That's the natural man. That is at odds with a free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. So when we get born again, when we become conscious spiritually of the spirit of God and we yield to him, then we have the spirit of God in us that becomes at odds with this deep-seated evil self-spirit. It says these two ways of life are antithetical. That's message. So that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way according to how you feel on any given day. So you feel like this, but you are hindered. You feel like this, you are hindered. For example, for the natural man, in partnership with another person and with the deep-seated selfish interest in him, he thinks of cheating that person, cutting that person out of his stake in the business. And if need be, punish him and if possible, get rid of him as it were. But the man who has the spirit of God in him, the moment that thought comes, there's a revolt. You can't do that. You run away from it, no shy. You run from it. You flee as a matter of fact. And you rebuke the spirit because you know there are spirits behind all these things. And if anything, you find a way to reach a compromise. With your partner even when he is a troublemaker it's not like that for the ardent selfish rooted person he will cut you off and even look for a way to kill if he can the bible says covet not another person's thing anything that looks like ah he has this she has this i don't have it you talk of spirit of jealousy the moment he said no that's not me that's alien to me birds can fly all the way over my head but i won't let them perch you don't let certain things perch in your heart so there's always Opposition. 
And that's why Paul we say in the book of Romans chapter 7, verses 19 and 20, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. So you can see that there is a war for every born again child of God is a walking war front. And hear me well, it is to the extent that you win this inner battle that you win the external battle. So what am I saying? Prayer is resisting the devil. How? You begin the resistance through your spirit, man overcoming your fleshly desires, then you can confront the devil. Let me go back to the example of Jesus. He was hungry. He was tired. He was weak. 40 days, 40 nights fasting. So there was a definite natural need. Food, water. And the devil capitalized on that. And that's what he does. He capitalizes on your weakness, on your vulnerability. He says, hey, so hungry, and to the Son of God, turn stone to bread. Now, the question is this Was he hungry? Yes. Could he turn stone to bread? Yes. But at whose instance? Who then will be calling the shot? Is it man on earth or the devil now telling man what to do? Which also happened in the Garden of Eden. And so Jesus said, Now, man shall not live by bread alone. I recognize the fact that bread is needed now by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So how did he confront the devil? By the word. So how do you pray? By the word. The disciples in Acts chapter 4 threatened not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Thrown into prison, brought out and beaten, you know. The Bible said they went to their company. And when they had come together, they came together and lifted their voice in one accord. Guess what? They started praying to God. How? Why do the heathen rage? And people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bones and pieces and cast away their cords from us. Now, look at verse 4. Say, he who sits in the heaven shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold him in derision. Guess what? By the time the French prayed, they now laid down their petition that God would grant them boldness to proclaim the word of God. That's the way they prayed. Shook! And they were filled with the Spirit. And they rose up with boldness. And they proclaimed the word with great boldness. That's the great grace was upon them. How did they pray? The sword of the Spirit. And the Bible says that we have thousands of promises. And in every of his promise, his attitude is yea and amen. He backs up his word to perform them. Men always ought to pray. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And of course, we rest not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. And we are not unaware of the wiles of the devil. We have made overcomers in this world. In that he died, yes he did. Full death in that resurrected, absolutely full resurrection. No trace of death. And he did it for us, for you and I. And today in the name of Jesus, we can overcome. Men, always ought to pray. We rest not against flesh and blood. Here Paul in conclusion, he says, 
It is no longer I that lives. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. But Christ that lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Who loved me so much and gave his life for me. The just indeed shall live by faith. The prayer of faith will always excel. It is well with you. In Jesus' name. Now, before I go, you know, I like to rebuke every spirit of illness, every spirit of infirmity, troubling anyone on the sound of my voice. Let that spirit of infirmity be cursed in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, by his stripes we are healed, so rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. It is well with you in Jesus' name. Let the peace of God that passes human understanding take hold of your heart, your marriage, your home, and all your endeavors. We give God the glory for your life. We know that you have been tremendously blessed by this message. For additional information and materials from Pastor Taiwo Odukoya, please contact us at the Founding of Life Church, 12th Industrial Estate Road by PZ Industries of Town Planning Way in Lupeju, Lagos. P.O. Box 698, Shomolu, Lagos. Visit our website at www.tfolc.org. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you.